plant medicine does such a beautiful job of helping us feel deeply connected in, into this unity consciousness while also feeling very safe to be a part of it and to know that, yeah, Mother Earth is, is our creator, right? She is just a bigger version. She's a bigger fractal of this system that we're all a part of and we are all her children and all, you know, connected to her in a really big way and means a lot to me, especially when it comes to healing individual challenges and individual illness and disease like anxiety and depression because depression especially is characterized by the feeling of being isolated and alone and deeply disconnected and that's the magic of of these plant medicines is that they remind us that you are never ever 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 alone Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Psychedelic Conversations podcast. I have with me a very special guest, Susanna Rose Stokes, and she is the co-founder of House of Embodied Metamorphosis. It's an organization, a legally registered church offering plant medicine, healing retreats and transformative coaching programs. And Susanna is a former Marine Corps officer who experienced a spiritual awakening that led her to become an embodied conscious guide. Now she assists others in aligning their spiritual and human selves through sacred plant medicine ceremonies and her own unique energy practices. Welcome, Susanna. So special to have you. Mm, it is so wonderful to be here. And thank you, thank you, thank you for, yeah, just providing this space. How special. Thank you for creating the time to speak with us. Um, as always, we like to dive into your story. What brings you to this work? initially yeah um well I think you you hinted at it in in the bio of um I started my professional career off in the military and sometimes that might seem like a complete shift <laughs> people are like how did you go from here to here and <clears throat> I often find that there is actually a lot of crossover between the military community and like a spiritual service community because we're all in service we're all in service to something bigger than ourselves and often a lot of people who are in the military also um have really big hearts and are are just out there to like help other people heal ironically enough <laughs> and as i was in afghanistan a couple times and experienced war I realized that it doesn't work the way that we think it does. And I also experienced a, a deep process of, of um, sort of breaking down all of the systems that I once knew. So going into almost like a nihilist moment in my life of like, nothing matters. Everything is, um, how can we do this to each other if anything really matters? And if there really is a God. 
And that led me and after the military and the trauma that I was working through both from war and also from being the support for a lot of survivors of sexual assault, um, I went through a big healing process and that process was facilitated by plant medicine. And it was during that experience where one medicine in particular was like, this is what you do. Like that you work with this, like come be with us and, and, and serve this, this medicine and carry this frequency. And, and it took me some time to believe that was true. <laughs> I was like, me, who me? I'm no, I'm supposed to be doing these other things in the corporate world. And it led me on a really beautiful journey of my own healing. And then I realized that um, I really couldn't hide from that anymore. Like that this actually was my purpose. And I kind of had to release a lot of who I, what I knew about myself and start, start over again. Um, and so then that let me, you know, to, to found the organization and, and things like that, but the, the medicines themselves really helped. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. I have a really great connection with a, a soul brother and he was also, uh, in the military. Um, but he had his kind of his spiritual awakening, not through the, the plants or anything like that, or, or it wasn't, uh, Interestingly, it was induced through a, a bomb dropping very close proximity that it shook the ground in such a way that he was literally with that kind of the wave of vibration that was that that triggered his awakening. From that split second of like a few seconds of that bomb, you know, really spreading that wave of, you know, that frequency. Uh, the shock to his system, to his nervous system. Mm -hmm. He uh, got up and walked very differently and from that moment on. So it's interesting that um, a lot of the military uh, veterans and people who's experienced that, um, I have been investigating a lot of this. And uh, to me, it's no-brainer. It's just so natural and it's organic that they, they go through this kind of transformation in that service yeah so it, it always fascinates me when i speak to someone who had that experience and uh, i always think of him and his experience i just cannot comprehend what that might have done to his system in that moment like you said nothing mattered anymore after that he wanted to just walk away from everything mm -hmm. yeah mm. very, very powerful actually think That's about very it very powerful and i i really um I resonate with this and, and have seen not something quite like that, but there are so many military veterans who come very close to death. Right. And, and I do believe that the near death experience, uh, and, and coupled with, and especially in his circumstance, I work a lot with energy and vibration and coupled with that frequency of vibration moving through his body can really create like a Kundalini awakening. It can act it can just like, you know, move all of that energy that's been stored at the base of his spine and then, and then awaken it. And, um, which can be done through, you know, breath work and other things as well. But, um, but coupled with a near death experience, uh, yeah. being that close to not being here can really, 
um, jar a person and if done properly, and then if held properly after it can totally shift a person's way of being into a really positive way. But what we've seen more often is that it's not held properly and there aren't the resources for people to really move through the feelings of that. And they don't have access to plant medicine, which, which can help with the integration. And so they fall into um, like suicide or self-harm. Um, and, and so it's a really interesting process of like, which way are you going to go? Are you going to awaken or is it going to come to a place of, of real struggle? Yeah. Wow. What a powerful thing. Yeah, it is. And he's lucky for him because he, um, he, he calls the initiation remembering. So for him, that was a remembering process meaning remembering the truth of essence of the human and all of that and and then he went on living a life of purpose with he calls it his he then activated his own medicine pouch because we're all born with a medicine pouch we all have these gifts in our medicine pouch and that we uh, those kind of events um kind of initiate us into the purpose so that was really wonderful but like you said you know, there's a quote that I really love. It says, um, I think this was from, I can't remember who it was said from, uh, something along these lines. When the initiation, uh, initiation, um, integrated successfully is, is the, the, the initial, you know, the awakening and, and powerful. But then when it was unsuccessfully, uh, uh, incomplete, then it can lead to annihilation, something along those lines. Yeah. I think this is what you said. It's really true. And um, I think those people don't have the community, the support, the understanding. So I could just imagine how it could turn into a nightmare. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah there's so many things about that, that that ring true. And there's a book that um, I would recommend that I love. It's called Initiation. And mm-hmm. it's by a woman named Elizabeth Haish. And I really, really love her work. And she's deeply wise teacher. Uh, and, and in it, she recalls and remembers her previous lifetime, like very accurately of when she was a priestess in Egypt and being initiated and that, and that process, the high priest speaks to her something very similar. He essentially says like, if you are initiated before you're ready or without the support that can lead to annihilation that can, that can lead to severe sickness in the body and actually going backward in terms of like consciousness. So, um, I believe that it's a, it's a combination of all of these things. It's like, do we have the support we need in our community? Is our physical body ready to vibrate at that frequency? (laughs) Because it's like having a lightning bolt, you know, go through you. And, um, in my own process of awakening, I, I was quite literally meditating on top of a mountain one day and in California, um, and I had been working with LSD and it was shortly after I'd worked with 5-MeO-DMT, which is the toad medicine, Bufo. And I was wide open to the universe in that moment, not even thinking about it because it was more of a recreational day. And, um, I felt like a big vortex of energy just surround me and then come inside of me so much so that it probably should have like made me sick or made me like 
feel very out of sorts, but I felt it come through me um, and basically up through my spine. And it was in that moment where the, where I was spoken to that said like, this is what you do. This is who you are. This is why you come from this lineage. This is why you were born of these people. Um, and it, and it confirmed and remembered, I remembered the perfection of why I am who I am and what I do. And that doesn't make me any more perfect or special than anyone else. It just makes me my own version of perfect for what I do. And so I think the word remembering is the perfect word for that. Yeah, I love that. I love what you said about not being so special or different or unique, but just having a, a successful initiation, I would say, simply. Yes. yes. Yeah. I love yeah, that. Do you know, yeah. Do you know, uh, Susanna, one of the things that we always talk about in my own circle of plant medicine people is the idea or the concept that the medicines are recruiting us. You know, there is this, there is this a lot of conversation around like, what is it? What is it that everybody who, um, finds healing through or process goes through a process with the plant medicines? What is it that they always end up either becoming a facilitator or advocate or, you know, um, kind of a protector or carrier or, or grower or cultivator, you know, all these kind of roles. And uh, yeah, we have this inside joke where we say, oh, it's just the medicines have agenda and they'll just keep recruiting people. Um, I don't know if you are familiar with these kind of conversations. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. I remember the very first time I was, um, that I heard something like this. I, it wasn't even about me. It was like, I was hearing it about someone else. There was a woman that I met at a, at a women's retreat and she worked for MAPS, which is the multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies. And she is one of their leaders there. And I remember her saying, oh, I did a ceremony with, with psilocybin mushrooms and they basically recruited me into like supporting them for the rest of my life. And I'm now like in service to the mushrooms. And I was like, this is such an interesting concept. This is the first time I had even conceptualized that a plant could do such a thing. And now, of course, I know it to be much more than a plant. Like it isn't a plant. It's not even a plant. It's a, it's a fungi. <laughs> it's its own kingdom, but it it really struck me. And I was very curious that like, what could have such an impact on someone that they would change their entire way of being and shift their job and their industry and their focus to like be dedicated to this. And I was like, there's something here. There's something here. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, um, so my, my feeling is always about the earth medicines directly from the earth they seem to have that kind of agenda of, uh, and the agenda is not a, not in a negative connotation. It's just that the agenda is to, to, to kind of serve the collective, you know, like be a good human, be a good human for yourself, for the people around you, for the planet. Uh, so I always see that there is this collective agenda of the plant kingdom that they all want to give us this message. I think Dennis McKenna talks very similar to this. He's like, you know, Hey, wake up, you know, you got to get your act, uh, you know, straighten up and get on, get back on track and be a good human. I think that's a, it's a wonderful way of, a wonderful way of putting the agenda concept of the plant medicine. They just want to, uh, you know, thrive this, this planet, uh, all of us come together and, and clean our act, 
acts and all of this stuff. But yeah, it's a beautiful concept in a way. It's not it's not harmful or a negative connotation. It's just that um, asking us to be uh, humans in service. I think there is nothing more valuable than that. Having this life of devotion and commitment to just facilitating well-being and holistic well-being, especially. Mm. I think that's a really uh, highly valued p- proposition. So that's a good thing in my in my opinion, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. I think, um, you know, in my, so I did all my master's research on psilocybin and, and altered states of consciousness as a means of um, social change. So I've been looking at it from a, a collective perspective because that's sort of also the layer that I see. I, I really like to play in the collective realm. And for me, that's why plant medicines have been so influential is because of exactly what you just said. And one of the big themes that that arose during this research from all of the many, 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 many studies, the research studies that I read through and poured over was interconnectedness, this concept that we are all one, that the unity of all things, of all energies, that there is no separation, that separation is an illusion, right? And I think that that connection is what they have been really offering. And there is an element as well of like sovereignty of like, you are also a sovereign being, like you don't have to be always influenced by this collective, but you're always a part of it. And I think that plant medicine does such a beautiful job of helping us feel deeply connected in into this unity consciousness while also feeling very safe to be a part of it and to know that yeah mother earth is is our creator right she is just a bigger version she's a bigger fractal of this system that we're all a part of and we are all her children and all you know, connected to her in a really big way. So that, that theme came through so strongly that it's like a huge part of, of that research and, and means a lot to me in, especially when it comes to healing individual challenges and individual illness and disease, like, um, like anxiety and depression, because depression especially is characterized by the feeling of being isolated and alone and deeply disconnected and that's the magic of of these plant medicines is that they remind us that you are never ever 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 alone not even a little bit yeah Hmm. yeah (laughs) that's so wonderful yeah um they definitely have this otherworldly authority on people in the way they heal in the way they help us understand in a sort of on a um, feeling in our bones type of way, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, there is a, there's definitely a powerful way of uh, showing and making us feel some of these disconnected parts. Mm-hmm. That's so wonderful. Susanna, so how did uh, House of Embodied Metamorphosis was mm-hmm. born? It's a it's a church, so I know this is to do with the US. US. Uh, obviously, yes. we don't have this in the in Europe. Um, I do have a lot of friends in the US, 
especially one of them, he's a regular guest on the podcast. He used to help people become churches, independent churches, and have their own sacraments. So if you want to maybe talk to us about your uh, organization. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, and I love that. I love that you have someone who's been helping do that. Um, there are only a few like lawyers and legal teams out there that are doing this work. So it's, it's really special uh, that we have this ability. Um, what we are called is an entheogenic church and entheogen for, for some who may not know is like another term for psychedelic. Um, it means the God within it's my favorite one. Um, my research is actually called entheogenerated <laughs> and maybe one day will be a book who knows, but it's, it's, I, it's a really beautiful term because it is talking about us accessing the God within. And that's why we decided to make it a church because there are, although there aren't immediate ways right now to become a, a legalized therapeutic facility for that, you can always go out of the country. You know, we could, we could operate in Jamaica, we could operate in Portugal or Costa Rica or other places and not have the scrutiny that we have in the United States and operate it more medically or even a little more, um, yeah, just a little less like focus on the spiritual. But what we found was the spiritual piece is so significant and so important to the holding and the carrying of these medicines that um, that it, it really needed to be a church, that it, it lent itself to that. So as I was going through this process of redefining and who I was and, and beginning to define the next version, um, a dear friend of mine who was also activated into the same lineage that I work in, um, which I'll speak about after, she, she was going to be hosting a retreat and it ended up being right after COVID started. So it didn't happen. And by the time retreats were returning, um, we were both further along in our work with medicine and we both got together and, and it just felt so, I'll tell you the one thing, Susan, like this whole process has been one of the most, one of the most easeful processes I've experienced. Although it's been, there's definitely been effort. There's a lot of work. But the momentum behind us, like it, the alignment feels so right that it's like surfing a wave. So I couldn't even tell you why all the things came together the way that they did. <laughs> but it was like one, it was like a domino effect. Once one thing happened, the next thing happened, the next thing happened, the next thing happened. So she and I got together, we, we ran a retreat. It was a wild success. We had like 11 people that came and, and and sat in ceremony. And we were like, okay, this is the thing. We had brought on another member of the team by that point, And she covered, she was a, she's a professional chef. So then we started to, we did another one and then we did another one. And then we were like, okay, okay, this is a real thing. This is a venture. And, and we'd sort of proved the concept as, as they might say in the business world. And, um, and that's when we got the guidance that it, it really needed to be um, a, a, a professional business thing. And I'm the daughter of lawyers. So I'm like, oh, we need to make this a legal thing. <laughs> 
And luckily the Santo Daime Church um, years ago created a precedent with the Supreme Court in the United States that basically said under the Freedom of Religion Act, we can serve sacraments. We can serve anything that we deem as a sacrament with the proper documentation and the proper processing. So we were gifted with the connection of a lawyer who does this work. And we began that process. And that's taken us probably about a year's worth of work to like really get it all aligned and put together our statement of beliefs and all of that. But um, it has been well worth it. And now we are hosting retreats also in Costa Rica, across the United States. And, um, and we also do coaching and, and things and integration, a lot of integration work. So that's how House of, that's the brief story of how House of Embodied Metamorphosis came to be. Um, and what's funny about the, the name Metamorphosis is our business, we have a business side as well. That's, that's like more of an LLC. And when we were talking about what we wanted to name it, we both were talking, we were like, well, change transformation. And we, I feel like we said it at the same time. We were like, what about metamorphosis? <laughs> and it seems so trite. Like, obviously there are going to be tons of organizations called this. And we found that there really weren't. So um, it was, it was like, it was waiting for us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I think what struck me the most is that you said it was so easy, not easy. There was an ease in, in bringing this to life. And from what I know and from the conversations I have and the research I do are, you know, initial elders in the space, for example, Dr. Stan Grove and other kind of initial guys in, in the space of the psychedelic work, they always talk about the synchronicity. They always mm -hmm. talk about this momentum kicking in once we start dabbling in this in this work because for me plants represent authenticity they just want us to start living congruently and and no surprise tapping into that kind of energy starts to bring a lot more ease in life so I I get that and I I that really stuck with me when you said it I resonate with it a lot and um I think it's to do a lot to do with that have, having that alignment behind it and that frequency is driving everything and you just got to show up and be there for it so that's kind of what I was hearing mm. and and thank yeah. you for for hearing that and then reflecting and 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 I think that easeful is true and and the internal work that it takes to remain in that integrity so like the business itself the momentum has been unbelievable. Like within the first two years, we were like, oh, okay, we're, we now have to expand. Um, and, and we're like, just about to have some really big press. And like, there's all these things that are just wild that would normally not happen in, I feel like in a business like this, but the internal work that it has taken for me and both of my business partners to really keep this in integrity and also to make sure that like the sanctity of our, of our, of our ceremony and our work is just fully clean. Um, while I would say that also it just happens, it's like, it's, it's moving through us. Um, it's not always easy. It's like, it's, it's, it's a process. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, there's, there's like tearful nights and there's like 
moments of moving really big feelings and also like coming into alignment with each other. And that takes um, commitment, I would say. But um, but the actual business process has been surprisingly, um, yeah, with a lot of momentum. Yeah. Thank yeah. You for reflecting. Yeah. I mean, I can go on about this a lot because it's my aerial passion. I used to work for a company um, where they we used to teach or not teach, but coach um, really high successful corporate CEOs about business and, and being a high performer. Um, I remember the founder of the business would say to them, your business is a reflection of who you are. Your business is a reflection of what you have done as a work. You know, you need to be the work of art so that your business will represent and reflect this like a mirror. And there's a lot of people coming with a lot of challenges and difficulties in their lives and their work. And, you know, also um, managers of corporate world, you know, leading 50 people, 100 people, uh, stressed out, overwhelmed. And he would always say, look, this is about you. It's never about your next manager or something else. And it kind of reminds me of that, what you said. And the two things that was the key thing was the accountability and the, and the community. So House of Embodied Metamorphosis, as a church and organization, it gives me the feeling of community. And then there is this accountability, I think, this was the missing piece for a lot of us in the Western world in terms of any kind of business. That's why the ease, you know, once we get, once we coin these concepts out and understand it and have that awareness, I think it reflects directly to, to what we create. Also, I think it's to do with um, finding what really aligns and makes you excited. Because that seems to be the, the energy that centers us and keeps yeah. us pushing and keeps us going, keeps us going, I think. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I've, there's so many, you know, high achievers, Oprah and all of the other, mm. you know, big players that are like, don't work, like, don't ever work a day in your life. <laughs> because if you find something that you're so passionate about, and you love deeply, yes, there will be moments where you're like, oh, I'm kind of grinding a little but but you don't have to work like it'll be fun. It'll be an adventure and it'll just flow through you more naturally. And I do think that, that we have, we struggle with that in, especially in the Western world, because there is this, like the productivity sort of machine of, of wanting us to just produce things and, and wanting to, Oh, I'll just take this job because it's good pay. Um, and I can tell you that I went backward. <laughs> I went from really good pay to really not good pay for a period of time in order to chase this passion and to be in this um, experience. And I wouldn't trade it for a minute. Like this is exactly where, where I was meant to be. So, um, so I do encourage people to follow their passions. And I want to, I want to touch on also when you spoke about accountability and, um, and create a new organization like that. A lot of my background is in ethics and around um, like moral values. And I, before this, I built an organization that taught leadership um, trainings and coached leaders. And, and a lot of our work at Metamorphosis, we actually run a leader, a psychedelic leadership retreat specifically for, for entrepreneurs and things like that. And because it is, it's about you and 
um, we don't have a lot of really great systems for accountability in our programs that they're, they're more punitive than they are about accountability. Like, oh, if you do something wrong, you're going to get in trouble. And so at Metamorphosis, we are working really hard to, um, you know, we have a code of ethics. We have principles of facilitation. We have a, a whole statement of beliefs that's 50 pages long that describes exactly how we do things to some extent and also has room for, for growth, kind of like a constitution would have, right? And I think that, and for change, because times will change and we want them to. But um, that to me is very important and, and the psychedelic industry, especially because it is a little bit like the wild, wild west right now, because there's not as much oversight. And although I don't necessarily want a ton of oversight, I do want accountability for our leaders. And I want us to show up in integrity every day and everyone else in our organization and our whole community to know that they can say, hey, this doesn't feel like it's, it, it's aligned with our values. Can we please take a look at this? And, and that would make me feel really good and really safe to know that that people can speak up in that way. Cause I am also a believer in like, de like democratic process. So, yeah. Yeah. That's a very powerful thing mm -hmm. to implement in this uh, process. I think this is what we need. A lot of leaders in the psychedelic space talk about structures, bringing in these different modalities and how can we integrate it into our society and so on. I think uh, you guys kind of doing a great job here the integrity and accountability and also like open for growth right open for uh, uh, having the space for uh the recognition of this is going to be an evol evolutionary process in while we doing all of these amazing stuff but it's like there is a momentum there is you know it's an entity it becomes a conscious entity uh, on its own and then starts to grow and progress into something bigger than us in this creative spaces it's, it's it's incredible once that's what we into want that, right, right? <laughs> i want i want it to grow yeah. and take on a life of its own and be able to like govern itself to some extent right and yeah. the next generations and the next generations yeah to be able to govern themselves even if it's not metamorphosis but we're the basis for someone else and an inspiration for someone else so mm. i love that i love the way you said that and that it takes on its own consciousness i mean the medicine we work with has its own consciousness. I'd love to speak to that. Please do. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. So the medicine we work with is a uh, medicine um, that's a proprietary strain of, of psilocybin. And this medicine is, um, is really unlike anything I've ever experienced before. It has such a cleanliness and it also calls in frequencies from other uh, medicines and like ayahuasca and DMT. I've never seen two master teacher plant like frequencies in the same medicine. So that's truly unique. Uh, and it, this has, this medicine was born out of a Judeo-Christian Abrahamic lineage. So through Israel, um, through, through a carrier from Israel, and then um, kind of combined with, um, with the Christian, the Protestant Christian lineage here although those are not our belief systems, that's, that's the lineage through which it was born. And, um, and that makes it really different because, you know, ayahuasca was really like deep in the indigenous 
um, jungles of, of Peru and Bolivia and these, and these beautiful places in South America, a lot of the plant medicines have really come through that. And this strain, um, I think it, it serves the Western world really, really well because it is of our, um, our lineages. Um, and so we just, uh, I want this frequency and the cleanliness and the clarity it's almost surgical sometimes. And it goes through and it's like, well, we don't need that anymore. <laughs> we don't need that. And one thing that this medicine has taught me is that healing doesn't have to be hard. Healing doesn't have to be hard. We can actually do things much more easily than we've ever imagined they could be. And, um, and it can be quite quick. It can be quite like quantum almost. Um, without bypassing by, by also like really being in our emotions and feeling them, but it can be a lot faster than we're used to, because this is the time when the world needs that, like quantum, we need to move through a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, I hope that the consciousness of this medicine and, and what we're doing lives on in some way and, um, continues to evolve as it, as we are as humans. Yeah. So what's the name of the medicine? It's called 42. Wow. Never heard yeah. of it. Um, which, I, yeah, I know, which... I know the, the current one that I have been following is uh, Silomethoxin. Mm -hmm. That's kind of new. Yeah. And they say it's also yeah. clean and it's also very more like feeling rather than the visions and so on. But that um, one I believe is actually injected with DMT. So mm -hmm. there is actually like a, a, a merging a synthesis yeah. of psilocybin and DMT. This one has been energetically um, shifted. And then the way that we cultivate it, um, it grows in coconut shavings. It never touches dirt. It's played a, a selection of music 24 seven, and then it's hand carried wherever it's delivered, things like that. So there is an energetic frequency that's actually much more angelic than anything I've ever experienced with psilocybin that makes this medicine uh, truly um, clean, but I would imagine that there's probably, I haven't tried this new, the, the synthesis of the psilocybin and DMT. And I imagine there's probably some similarities in their, yeah. in their process because, um, yeah, because they have similar frequencies. Yeah, so. I think so. Cause I also listened to the, you know, they clip on these little, um, devices to hear them. There's a audio mm -hmm. that they produce. I think it's, it's very angelic. It was very much like it, it it was given the feeling of like one of those you know uh very high frequency music or something like that so that's why i thought it might have been the asylum vaccine but obviously not so it's called 42 42 um which you know if you've ever read the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's the answer to the universe and all things mm -hmm. it's also 42 is um in the jewish mysteries school it is the name of god there's a name of 42 letters that has not yet been spoken on this earth. Uh, so the frequency has, has not yet fully come into, into writing, but there are 42 letters for the name of God. And uh, that is really where that word came from. And I recently learned from a software developer that 42 is like, it's like a, a patch in binary code. So if they're building something and something goes wrong, you can use 42 in lines of code where there's like a gap where there's a mistake 
And it's like a, it's like a bandaid for anything, for any issue. And I thought that was so, and I, I want like someone else to verify this for me. To, I want to see it in action. <laughs> but I thought that was just incredibly wild um, that that would be the answer because that's to some extent, that's kind of how, maybe not even a band-aid, but like a, a, a fix-all, right? Like a cure-all. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. Fascinating. Just so <laughs> super interesting. Yeah. Honestly, um, I do believe we live in a mathematical universe for sure. Um, I do believe they show up in these ways, and I think we have a deeper understanding now mm-hmm. to 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 Very you know much. verify all all of this. Yeah. The deeper I get into sacred geometry, the more I am blown away. And I, for many years, did not consider myself a scientific person, even though I've studied a lot of of science in, in college and things. But the the deeper I get into the, the the geometry of what makes up our you know the Archimedean solids, the Platonic solids, and all of these things, I'm like, these are really the answers, and this is some of the technology that we're actually developing for creating cohes- cohesive containers of being able to actually like fully co-create with other people. The shape of it is important. So like the number of points within any one container is really important to creating a balanced like energy vortex for example so that's some of the 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 technology we're dabbling in right now and um it's really stretching my my mathematical brain (laughs) in an amazing way and um we've seen it in action we've now been able to test some of these theories and watch people go into deeper trust with one another. So you were talking about congruence before. And what I see is we're bringing people into congruence with each other and with the collective so that we're all in a state of higher flow with one another and sync and synchronization and, and cohesion. And that process, I actually believe that the key for that is geometric um, shapes. That is so fascinating. I love this. I could speak to you about all of this <laughs> for for several hours, honestly. Yeah. So not um in my early time of researching plant medicines, I came across a um ritual. And this was uh practiced, I think, through the Aztec lineage or um Mazatec or you know, or maybe it goes beyond that. Um and uh, so the mushrooms were kind of like accepted as a sacrament for, by the Aztecs. And uh, as we all know, they're quite um, quite a <laughs> civilization. And um, they're quite intense. Uh, so, so there is this ritual, Susanna, that they would come together with the mature, like the leaders of, of, of their tribe. And they're highly educated, highly uh, conscious, highly, well, evolved in their own way at the time. And then they would do journeys together with the mushrooms and these weren't for uh these weren't for like divination or healing or nothing like that it was simply just uh journeying into the it together to test each other first the trust and the congruence which you said it just fascinates me that this has been going on for so long like millennia people tapped into this power way before you know we understood it like now and and they would obviously choose specific number of people specific 
uh, time to journey together. And and what they believe is that if they do this together and if all of them come on board together, that they will go to places where they would find the wisdom from the ancestors and clues and the codes and the things, and they'll come back with it and put together. But, but it had to be a teamwork and it had to be a certain number of participants. It's crazy how they already knew this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. I love this. I have mm -hmm. not heard about this particular mm -hmm. um, ritual and I appreciate yeah. you bringing it into my, my consciousness. Um, this is very similar. It is, <laughs> right? Yeah. What we're doing and what I describe often to people when they're coming to our retreats is you get access to, I literally say these words, so it's very similar. Um, when we are in a container where we, where we have created safe boundaries, of course, with one another, and then we co we create, we co-create this, this energy, energy vortex with the medicine, we get access to each other's wisdom and power and channels. So if someone in the circle or in the community has something they're in they're more intuitive or they're clairvoyant and then someone else has the has the gift of healing with their hands you may be able to access their power because you have been a part of this cohesive vortex so that's what it sounds like they were doing in these in these ceremonies like go back get these things from your you know from your family lineage or from mm -hmm. whatever access your avatar and your spirit has access to yeah, and yeah. bring it back to the group mm -hmm. and that's basically <laughs> yeah i had no idea but there's you know obviously they followed certain principles where they couldn't have anyone that is not congruent or at the same level or with the same intention so then that would distort the whole experience as well Yes. Um, but they also thought that um, their teachers and their mentors would leave trails of wisdom or secrets or the codes in those journeys. So they'll go and collect them as well. It's, it's a very insane ritual. Wild. I that, love this. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. The Aztecs, <laughs> Aztecs were so wise and so, I mean, the Aztecs, the Mayans, the Egyptians, the, you know, these, these really yeah. sacred, um, peoples were were deeply wise and were remembering a lot of the technologies that um that were were with these people before so thank you for bringing this back into my awareness and another i would say that actually the community that inspired me around this or that inspired our work was more the eleusinian um, mysteries right which which is the greeks who would sit around and they would bring together a very you know special group of philosophers it was actually open to everyone which i thought was really interesting um but only the people who could make the pilgrimage would go and it'd be a long period of time so you had to commit a lot of time to it but you drink the kikion drink and that was from lsa which we now know is it's basically lsd it's from the ergot fungi and everybody would go up into to you know other realms and then begin to ideate things and and from that we have things like democracy so um and i do believe that on some level democracy is this it is this idea that we're all nodes of this big collective consciousness and that we can access each other's wi wisdom 
if we all just um, feel safe enough to do so. And like you said, the, the safety of the container and knowing that everyone is in congruence is really, really helpful. And that may be one of the reasons why right now democracy is having such a tough time because a lot of us are not um, feeling deeply safe in our world. And the beautiful thing is plant medicine can help with that too. So, wow, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like bringing all these threads together now as we're coming to the end of our conversation. There's so many things I still want to ask you, but uh, we might have to bring it back again yeah, <laughs> uh, for another, another conversation. Yeah, so um, you are absolutely right. And one of the reasons I love group processes, my, group processes is my thing, always has been, whether it involves uh, plant medicine or not, it uh, doesn't matter what the modality is. It's all about bringing all these other bodies together I mean, in my own experience, I think the biggest breakthroughs that I experienced always happened in group settings, always. Because it's, um, for better or good, it's just a container that can provide so much information about who we are individually, uniquely. And then also the, the, the you know, the allowing of the transference and the projection and then everyone else becoming the person you don't like. And then the judgment that could, all of it just pours in and then as you know, as you keep bringing awareness to this and then keep the container as congruent as possible, as you see people coming around and the, the breakthroughs are incredible in that kind of setting. So um, I do like the one-on-one -on -one work as well, but I think one-on-one -on -one work can take us only certain way. And, and that's why I was quite excited when you said it's um, household embodied metamorphosis is a church, a legal church. Now, I think it's, Obviously, I don't know if you had any, this would be a question to you, if you had any pushbacks, always, oh, why is it church and things like that? Because only because, you know, there is a history of negative connotation around the religious and religious beliefs in the churches. So I don't know if you're experiencing any of that, but I think with the new plant medicine approach and having them as a sacrament legally, openly, uh, it's changing the way we see churches and it's changing the way we understand and grasp the, the church. Church for me represents community. Just good people wanting to be together, coming together. Because look, I mean, you know, I, I don't really buy into the gurus and who labels themselves as the, I'm the healer, come to me and stuff like that. But it's always a red flag for me. But <laughs> I just love the community aspect, right? The community aspect is, you know, I always say people need two things, a group, a, a congruent group, community and accountability. These two things can take people so far. Um that's why for me, church doesn't make me feel cringy or I actually respect it a lot because I see it as a new way of bringing people together now. So I really appreciate what you're doing in there. Do, you. do you have any pushbacks because it's a legal church? Do you have people criticized in it? Great question. Uh, I, I feel like anything that people bring to me about that is is something that I and my business partner both said to ourselves when we were starting the process, <laughs> we probably had the most pushback of anything that anyone could bring because both of us have left very strong religious backgrounds. And she grew up Mormon um, and I grew up, my grandfather was a bishop in the Methodist church um, and was, um, his parents were missionaries, like, like, like spiritual leaders way, 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 way back. And um, both of us have been very harmed by, by the modern religious system. 
And, and, and when I went through that period of time where I was more of like a nihilist, like it does God exist, right? Like, how could you let this happen? I went through a, a really big shift around, um, what, what's okay around, like, what is religion and is it okay to have it? Is it okay to have this belief system? And then when, when we began the process of figuring out how to become legalized, um, and church came up, we all were like, all of us were like, Oh, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And I love your description because that's what we've landed on is we've landed on, first of all, religion is just a shared set of beliefs. That's it. And, 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 and having a church is a community. And if we take all of the really beautiful things from a church system, from the religious system, and we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? There are some really magnificent things that a faith-based system can serve us in. And, um, and that does require all of us to heal some of our traumas around, around church and around religion. And I know that, and I'm deeply aware of that. We have not yet encountered um, too much, but I imagine that as we grow, we will. And I, I trust, like, I, I, I understand those, those concerns. Even my partner, he's very triggered by the concept of religion. So we've had a lot of really good conversations around that. Um, so I welcome it and I want that to happen. And I also would love for our governments to allow for different and new ways to form organizations like this, whether it be a church or not, um, so that there are different options out there. However, what felt right to us is this is a spiritual organization. We're a faith-based organization, but we're not your father's evangelical Protestant Christian church. We're not that at all. So that feels Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is great. Um, I love these conversations because... Um, just like bringing the rituals in, right? Like just just like the conversation we have about the Aztecs and the ritual, um, I think giving people the option and also um, sort of like bringing more authenticity into these community-based gatherings and and because this is also very ritualistic and it has a lineage. I mean, we're human beings; we need that connection. We need to come together. I mean, look at the indigenous way of living, the tribes and. We're hunter-gatherers. What did they do? Like, I, one of my favorite um, conversations I heard from was Peter Levine, you know, the somatic therapist, the founder of Somatic Experiencing. He said, look, look at the tribes, you know. When somebody passes, all of them get together, cry together, like grieving together. You know, we're human beings. We're not meant to be alone and not grieving and suppressing. We're supposed to be grieving. And then they come together, grieve together. They, they, they wail and they go crazy. And then... After that, they dance together. Now they, they celebrate because they, it's, it's just this human spirit is so vast and so big and we shouldn't be containing it into little structures and how, how it's right or wrong way of doing things. Mm. It's incredible like when we just have these fixated structures about what it, how should we show up in the world mm. and forgetting that we are the hunter-gatherers. We need this. We need community. We need the roof where we can come together and be ourselves and grieve and feel and grow and evolve and hold space for each other. I think that's, that's the best congruent way of going forward. 
Amen. <laughs> I, I feel that. But I feel that. Yeah. And one of the things that I also offer to people is like, you know, we do have a world of 8 billion people and so many different options of the ways that you can, you get to choose now, right? You have so many options to choose of what tribe or what community or what, what methodology you may want a more clinical experience for something like this, because that's what makes you feel safe. Wonderful. Go to that clinical experience and have that. If you are called to the kind of work we do and how we do it, then come to us, right? And and be a part of it. And there, and we may challenge some of your views on religion. But I love, I love that now people really are stepping more into their sovereignty and knowing that they have choice, that like you are not forced into any of these things. You have options of how you collectively grieve, of how you collectively celebrate. And that makes me really happy for the next, you know, layer of our of our society. So thank you for spreading that message. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing all the work that you guys are doing. It's incredible. It's a, it's a beautiful shared space of coming together. I think this is what was missing in um, most of, you know, how we kind of disconnected in the past went kind of individual ways and sort of lost, you know, they said lost our connection, lost our ways. I think more of these conversations needs to be happening all the time now. And I love it. I love having these conversations. Um, they bring up so much of that connection and the resonance and the, promotes that togetherness. And we're all in this together, you know. Yes, we sure Ultimately, are. right? doesn't matter <laughs> what modality or what community, but it's just, you know, yeah, coming into alignment together with each other. That's why I love the psychedelic community because uh, I know we have all our differences and there's always these discussions and disagreements, but uh, ultimately, in essence, I think there's a lot of beauty and a lot of uh, growth and evolution is happening right now. Well, you and I are both optimists in that way. I'm incredibly <laughs> hopeful. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know if I could live without the hope that I have and the and the belief and the conviction that our world is improving despite what it might feel like, right? We've, we're coming out of the dark ages. We are becoming more aware as a society. And the more that we inject and infuse the divine feminine frequency of like, this isn't about hierarchy. This isn't about be, anyone being better than anyone. This is all about us coming together on like the same layer, recognizing our sameness, our similarities, and healing ourselves and being more open with our healing because that's how we get more connected and more vulnerable. So um, I feel that with you and I um, and I keep running into it everywhere. People are like, do you really have hope for the world? I'm like, yes, because <laughs> everywhere I turn, I meet another person that is committed to this, as committed as I am. So that makes me feel really good um, about where we're going, what we're doing. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <sighs> Susanna, so what's next for you guys? What are the projects you guys are working on? Some offerings, because we will have all your links and your um, whatever you have. Uh, we'll add it into the show notes, including your bio, so people get to know you a little bit more. Uh, just as a closing note, what would you like to say? What are the projects? 
maybe last words yeah um we are coming into a very big year for house of embodied metamorphosis and um we uh have uh i I will just like a little sneak little tiny hint that we have a big article that will be coming out um, early next year um, in some publication in a publication that will be um, important for us and important, I think, for for psychedelics. Um, so that will we've been preparing ourselves for that <laughs> because, of course, you know, with with the good also comes the challenging and the critiquing. So um, so that will happen, and then we are hosting five events next year. Um, and then we also always, we have our coaching programs as well, which you can access through the links that you'll post. And, um, we have a, a sold out event in Costa Rica for, for leaders called cracking the chrysalis that's in March. And then we have a women's retreat here in Asheville at a really beautiful retreat center in May. Um, another one, a women's retreat where we'll actually be working with some military spouses down in Costa Rica again. And that one's also open to others um, as well to other women. And then we have a co-ed cracking the chrysalis in November. Um, And we are very likely going to be hosting a sort of immersive summit kind of festival experience in California um, sometime in October. So we have like a a big agenda next year and um, and there are ways to absolutely get involved. And I invite you to just check out, you know, our our website. And also we will be um, raising funds to help support us. Um, but that'll be early next year. So you can just stay tuned. And if you can sign up for our newsletter, then you'll be able to, to get updates. We're really, really thoughtful about what we send out, how we send it out. We are not going to spam you. And um, and also just if you want to get in touch with me um, personally, like uh, I'm, I'm on Instagram at Susanna roses and, and I'll add that as well. DM me, I respond <laughs> and, um, and I'd love to be in touch with, with whoever has wisdom or, or is also supporting this work. Or even if you just want to share some supportive words or critical words, I'm open to it all. Um, please please bring it because that's what this process is all about. Yeah, that is wonderful. Thank you so much, Susanna. So lovely to connect and meet you and have this conversation. Really appreciate you. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you back very soon following your journey, especially next year for some updates and see how it's going. We would love that. It would be amazing. And maybe even uh, with my business partner at some point as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, that would be lovely. Got a story and a half. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it'd be lovely to meet her as well. Fantastic. All right, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. And as always, do comment, share your stories. Don't be shy. Uh, you can get in touch with Susanna and me uh, or just comment in below and ask questions. Just share, just, just generally to connect with us. And I will see you on the next one. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us. Psychedelic Conversations podcast is designed to educate, inform and expand awareness. For more information, please head over to psychedelicconversations.com. You can also share with your friends.
or leave a review so that we can reach more people. You can also join us in our private Facebook group to keep the conversation going. This show is for information purposes only and it is not intended to provide mental health or medical advice. Thanks for listening.